0: So we're going to go to 2 Samuel. We're going to go to 2 Samuel, and we're going to go to chapter 3. And I'm, I'm, I'm catching some of the high points of David's story, but I'm not catching all of them. I'm just catching what um, God lays upon me and what he wants me to do. And so this is what he's got today. So we're going to 2 Samuel chapter 3, and we're going to go down to verse 22. And I'm going to read from the New International. So 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 22, we read, Just then... David's men and Joab returned from a raid and brought with them a great deal of plunder. But Abner was no longer with David in Hebron, because David had sent him away and he had gone in peace. When Joab, Joab and all the soldiers with him arrived, he was told that Abner, son of Ner, had come to the king and that the king had sent him away and that he had gone in peace. So Joab went to the king and said, What have you done? Look, Abner came to you. Why did you let him go? Now he is gone. You know Abner son of Ner. He came to deceive you and observe your movements and find out everything you are doing. Joab then left David and sent messengers after Abner and they brought him back from the well of Syrah. But David did not know it. Now when Abner returns to Hebron, Joab took him aside into the gateway as though to speak with him privately and there to avenge the blood of his brother, Ashael, Joab stabbed him in the stomach and he died. Later then, later, when David heard about this, he said, I and my kingdom are forever innocent before the Lord concerning the blood of Abner son of Ner. May his blood fall upon the head of Joab and upon all his father's house. May Joab's house never be without someone who has a running sore, running sore or leprosy, or who leans on a crutch or who falls by the sword or who lacks food. Joab and his brother Abishai, murdered Abner because he had killed their brother Ashnael in the battle at Gibeon. Then David said to Joab and all the people with him, Tear your clothes and put on sackcloth and walk in mourning in front of, in front of Abner. King David himself walked behind the byre. They buried Abner in Hebron, and the king wept aloud at Abner's tomb. All the people wept also. The king sang this lament for Abner. Should Abner have died as the lawless die? The hands were not bound, your feet were not fettered, you fell as one falls before a wicked man, and all the people wept over him again. Heavenly Father, we just thank you today, we thank you for your word that it is useful today and that it is super relevant today, and that we can use it and apply it to our lives and we can use it to understand you more and understand ourselves more. Let us listen to your word, let us apply it, and let it change us for the betterment. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me give you guys a rundown here of kind of what's going on in this chronological story of David. Last week, we talked about how Saul had died and David, in an honorable way, mourned the death of Saul and he mourned the the death of his close friend, Jonathan. And we go to the next part where David has been announced and made king over Judah, okay, or Judea. And uh, he's been made king But over in Israel, David or uh, Saul's son Ishbosheth has been appointed king over the rest of Israel. Okay, so the whole the whole nation of Israel, um, and that includes Judea, is in turmoil and they're in confusion as to who the king should be. So out of that, civil war breaks out. David has a commander; his name is Joab. Ishbosheth has a commander; has several commanders, but one of his commanders' name is Abner. And Abner does a lot of different things to try to defeat David. Joab does the same for David over Ishbosheth. Let me see what I want to say here. Abner finally comes to a point where he understands that Ishbosheth is not supposed to be the king, and he goes to David and he talks to David about it, and, and kind of reconciles with David, and then makes plans with David where he says, "I can, I can." Get, I can win over everybody for you, David, and you can become king of all of Israel. So David says, "Yeah, let it be so." Well, Abner had killed Joab's brother, Asael. Okay, so Joab, in a vindictive way, wants to flip that bugger. You know what I mean? Like you know, like when somebody crosses your family. But he goes on this vindictive journey. He kills Abner outside of David's will. So we got that just as a quick front-runner as to how the story goes. And, and, uh, but what I want to talk about, in the, the name of my message today is Two Wrongs Don't Make a Right. All right. Now, I remember when I was a kid and uh, I was, would be sick, and this is a good discussion since everybody's sick right now, and I was sick and I had to miss school. There was kind of a perk in there because then you got to watch daytime TV, all right, now I'm not talking about the fact that I get to go watch Young and the Restless because, I mean, when you're a kid, no, I don't want to watch, I don't even want to watch that. going today. But there were two shows that I really liked to watch when I was a kid. That's three, but we'll do these two. The Price is Right and Let's Make a Deal, right? And I think they still play them today, don't they? But when I was a kid, The Price is Right was done by Bob Barker. You guys remember Bob Barker? And he had the special microphone that was on a stick, right? And he would stand there and we could watch him do these gaming things and people could win stuff and uh, and at the end he'd tell us to spay and neuter our pets. You guys remember that? He always said, remember to spay and neuter your pets. But I remember watching that and think it was so exciting and it was kind of fun something to watch. I mean it was almost so worth it like, man, I don't want to go to school today. I just want to watch the prices right. You know what I mean? But if you're familiar with that game show or you've ever watched it before. It's really just a game of chance for the most part. Unless you watch that documentary on Netflix, which is really interesting because that guy figured it out and he won big. But anyways, and he got banned from the presses, right? But anyways, um, a lot of it is just like, you know, door number one, door number two, or is this the right price for this product? Or is this the right price? So it's a lot of chance and it's a lot of choice. And once you make your choice in the game, then that was it. Either you won or you lost, right? So, they always had like these college kids and these wonky, really outgoing people, and they'd be jumping up and down and doing what I call the peepee dance, you know, and they'd be excited if they won. And then if they lost, they'd have that horn is like, remember? And uh, then would be like, we'll be back after these messages. And then you'd like watch Oxyclean or something. So, but we always had that. But what I'm saying is, those people had choices in the game, right? They could choose. Let's say door number one or door number two, which was a lot more make a deal kind of style. But you can choose the prize in door number one, or you can choose the prize in door number two, which we're not gonna open yet. So you could just stick here and you can get this dinky little moped, or you could see what's behind the door here, right? And so they make that choice. And for those that chose the door that is behind there might be like, You win this brand new Geo Metro, you know, California emissions, and they're jumping up and down excited, like who wants a geo metro? But anyways, somebody's excited anyways. Right? or they could open it up and it was like you get these moldy donuts right right it was like a chance yeah like so uh, but once they made their choice that was the choice they had to stick with all right and it was it, it had a consequence either a good consequence a reward or a bad consequence they lost big right okay and for us life is a lot like that but well, we get to live life in a in a different way as far as making choices because I don't wake up and go hmm should I choose door number one I go to work or should I choose door number two I shouldn't go to work I mean it just makes really good sense like I'm going door number two I'm going to work right I need to go to work because my family needs to eat and my family needs a house and all. Is, I says I got to go to work right but we have other choices in our life that sometimes can be more di- more more difficult and choices that go in our life where we want to choose the way you know man chooses and it makes sense or what we think is reasonable or, uh, you know, what seems right to us, but then there's the choices God has, right? And what I like at the beginning of this story is, first of all, we have to recap on who David was, right? David was a guy who followed God's plan and followed God's choices, right? Now, we'll read later on that he makes some bad choices, but he followed God's plan for the most when he was anointed by Samuel to become king of Israel, what happened to him? He was filled with the Spirit and the Spirit was upon him, right? And was his guide. And up to this point in David's journey, he was doing a really good job of following God's God's plan and making choices that glorified God, right? Um, in his direction. David's leadership and judgment should have been revered by everybody to this point because, man, he had done some great things with the choices he had made. David's way and plan was God's way and God's plan. And for us as believers today, it's really neat. Because David, I mean, he was one of the select few that got to have an immediate and direct presence of the Holy Spirit upon him, right? For us, as believers in Christ, we get to have that same opportunity, that same chance to have direct audience, direct counsel with the Holy Spirit, right? And it empowers us, it strengthens us. Acts 1.8 tells us that we receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and that we'll be witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's a promise for us. That's something that was poured out for us, right? And with it comes power to live like God wants us to. Right? To bear the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Have you guys ever taken... Actually, I want to read this verse first. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 gives us some of the, of the Holy Spirit's... or fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. Now, have you guys ever made a choice in life and it gets carried out and then you're at the end of it and have you ever taken this and i I encourage you to do this or do it before and you evaluate that choice versus another choice as you're seeking god to help him with that choice and go what fruit is going to be born in this choice you know is this going to be a demonstration of love is it going to be demonstrated? Is it, is it? Can you find joy in it? Can you find peace? Can you find kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Am my exercising self-control in it? I really encourage you to try that. It's a really good teacher, you know. And as I'm going through this story of Joab today, I just want you guys to, to think about those fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5:22 and 23, and see if any of those fruits were bare in Joab when he made the choice to kill Abner. Okay. The power of the Holy Spirit in us gives the ability to know the right and godly choices from those that come from the flesh and are sinful. Living life according to God's direction is far more satisfying and far more rewarding than doing life the way we think is best. I can't tell you, man, you guys know, like, especially when you're younger, like this is what I want, this is what I'm gonna do. Even mom and dad, they disagree. This is what I want to do. I'm going to do it. And then you do it, and you turns out not the way you had hoped, right? I'm list, talking to a couple of teenagers here. Listen to our advice, all right? It doesn't work out. And it, it's usually very negative, right? Make the choices that you know mom and dad want to. I've told my kids before that when you're getting ready to do something, stop and think for a second and think, would you do this in front of your mother? <laughs> what do you mean? Would you do this in front of your mother? If you would do it in front of your mother, then it's probably okay. If you wouldn't do it in front of your mother, it's probably not okay at this stage in your life. right? All right. So we're lucky. We can follow God's plan because we have the Holy Spirit upon us to guide us, to direct us, to lead us. It's only our choice that we follow the Holy Spirit to make good choices. Now here comes the point. Two wrongs don't make a right. Abner was guilty of a lot of things. We'll be honest, right? Right. He was working with with Saul's son Ishbosheth to war with David, right? And that was a major sin on many levels because David's the anointed. He's heir to the throne based on anointing from God. So it would be right to let him be king, but Abner is hindering that. By warring with David's men. Right? So Abner was super wrong there. Another one was, he killed Joab's brother, Asahel. That was wrong. That wasn't, that was wrong. He murdered him. He killed him in war at Gibeon. He killed him. And it's fair to say that in many respects, Abner had done a few things that were wrong, some that carried with them large punishments, even death sentences, right? What does Old Testament law tell us about some of those things? Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? So, he was guilty of a lot of things. But what we also understand, and this is such a model for us when it comes to Christ, right? Abner was also forgiven. And he was forgiven by the anointed King of David, King David. He was forgiven by King David. Now let's remember, going forward in history and stuff, who is an heir of David's throne way down the line? Jesus, right? Jesus comes out of David's house, right? David is showing here the way Jesus is. He forgives Abner. There's a reconciliation there. Um, you know, Abner goes to him. He confesses his sins, his wrongdoings. He makes things, a reconciliation with David. And then he's ready to assist David to become king over all of Israel. So he had made that choice. To say, hey man, I have done a lot of wrong. I've done a lot of terrible things. And I'm very sorry about it. And I've realized it now, King David. And I want to help with your cause. And I want you to get the throne that you deserve. And I want to help you with it. And Abner's so much like, like many of us, isn't he? He's lived a good portion of life doing things his way. I do things my way all the time still, unfortunately. He has also had he has also reached out to the king when he realized his ways were wrong and has received forgiveness from David. Like many of us have, right? We have gone to the king. We've gone to Jesus Christ. We've gone to his his presence and said, "I have done a lot wrong. I have sinned a lot and I need your forgiveness and I want to come under your wing, under your protection, under your guidance." So Abner did that with David, right? And he's an early biblical example to us that it's never too late for someone to turn from their wicked ways and be forgiven. He had done a lot of wrong. But he did something really right there at the end, didn't he? By going and trying to make things right. Now, Joab. Joab was out of line to kill Abner because it was contrary to what King David wanted. King David made his pact with Abner. Abner was on the road to go back to Israel and convince people to follow King David. Right? You need to follow King David. He's the anointed king. You need to follow him. Right? But Joab decided he's going to do things his way. Even though David had told him what he wanted, he's like, David doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm going to do it my way unfortunately, that's a pretty regular thing in this world, both then and now. Proverbs 14.12 tells us there's a way which seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. While Abner had been guilty of punishable crimes, it was not Joab's place to carry out punishment on Abner. We too should be careful to not take matters into our own hands in judging or punishing others who have done wrong to us or to our family or to people we know I think Joab's biggest problem in this situation was his self-righteous attitude. He thought his judgment was more right than King David's. Have you ever had a self-righteousness problem in your own life? I've had a self-righteousness problem in my own life, right? Holier than thou is what people out in the world like to call it, right? You'd be holier than thou. You think you're so special. Being judgmental, you know? It's uh, you know it it was one of those things that I think was for a long time and still exists in the church, but it seems stronger in the past. Was just something that just was a plague inside the church. I mean, I've told you guys about talk, tackle box man, right? That I knew that fell face first into the tackle box and went to that church and uh, wanted to be part, a part of the church, and they said, "Well, you uh, you're not our type. You're not wearing a suit. You know, you got tattoos. You got piercings, right? Self righteousness." Right? Joab too was so self-righteous, man. He knew. He knew what, what 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 should take place to Abner because Abner had killed his brother. He knew what was said about that, and he was gonna do it. But he forgot about the trump card. There's a king that's anointed by God who's saying don't. Right? What seems right to us is not always best. Not always best. When I was a kid, actually, I was, well, I was still a kid. I was a senior in high school, and I had a two-wheel-drive Ford Ranger from Saskatchewan. So it was in kilometers. <laughs> and uh, I had taken one summer, and I worked at an auto body shop, and I had taken the time in the evenings at the body shop to get this truck ready for paint. You know, I mean, when it's your first car, it's your first car. Remember your first car? There's no better car than your first car. Right. And so I got it painted. I painted it bad dude maroon. That's the actual color of it. It's called bad dude maroon with blue pearl over it. It was really pretty and got it all cleaned up. But it had a four cylinder engine in it and a four cylinder engine in a 1991 Ford Ranger has 88 horsepower, 88 horsepower when it has nitrous oxide in a turbocharger. Mine had neither of those and it's at sea level. It was slow. It was. I got pulled over on the highway one time um, when it was 75 miles per hour on the highway. I got pulled over by a highway patrol officer, and he said I was going 79. And I said, you're kidding. Really? I didn't know my truck could go that fast. Because sometimes I had a hard time translating the kilometers to miles per hour. It's like, I was like, I, I didn't even know that truck would go 79. But anyway, so I was a senior in high school, and I decided I was going to put an engine in it from a Thunderbird. And my dad was going to help me do it. Now, my dad was a mechanical man. He was a machinist as a living. He was just smart. He could have been a doctor or he could have been an astrophysicist. He was smart. So he was going to be able to do all this computer stuff and everything like that. And he was going to help me with it. But what boys my age don't understand is patience. And what boys my that age didn't don't understand, and, and Elijah's getting to that age, but we haven't had any problems here, so don't think I'm using an example. Just use this as an example when you decide to make choices. Is we think we know more than our dads. And we think we can take care of things. So my dad had to go out of town for a week, you know, because he's got adult things to take care of, too. I mean, he wants to build an engine with his son. He wants to do that. But he's got adult things he needs to do, too. He had to go out of town, I think, that I think to care for his mom or something like that. She was sick. And while he was gone, I decided to have one of my buddies come over, and we're going to jerk the engine out of that truck, and we're going to put the other engine in. And when my dad comes home, he's going to be all surprised that I got it done. And he's going to go, wow, you really are smart. I thought you were just stupid but you really are smarter than me did it go like that not in the least not in the least it went way worse than that actually it is what brought me to my knees and brought me back to christ that truck i'm not lying but that choice in itself where i thought i was so smart i was not nearly that smart my dad came home he had all kinds of problems to fix he was mad about it he had every right to be mad about it he was way he was way more patient than I would have been with my kids. I can honestly say that. Like I used to think my dad was like, oh, he's so impatient. He's such a he He's way nicer dad, than me. All right? I'm just going to he is because I'm not as patient as my dad was. He had to mess around with that truck for a couple of months, and then it went into winter time before he got it running good. And then it wasn't as fun, you know what I mean? Because there was animosity between us. It wasn't as fun once it was done. It was cool, but it wasn't as fun. What seems right to us is not always best. I thought what was right was to rip it out and put it in. That wasn't right. In the book of Judges, right? I don't know if you guys have read it, but in the book of Judges, in the Bible, before Israel had a king, right? this was when they had judges. There wasn't a king yet. It was supposed to be a theocracy. We read this phrase often if we read that book. Everyone did as they saw fit. Every day everybody did what was right in their own eyes. That's what some of the translations say. When the people of Israel were doing as they sought fit, they were not following God, but they were following themselves. They would often fall into idol worship, into different manners of disobeying God, and this put them out of God's protection, and they fell from His will. When we do as we see fit, and don't seek God's guidance, We often make choices that are far from the will he has for us, or far from his will in general. Right? It's because we're proud people a lot of times that we do that. Right? And proud people certainly look to do a lot of different things. And one of the big things we try to do is vindicate ourselves. I'm sorry if this message sounds like a downer. It's supposed to be an encourager. All right. Because we try to vindicate ourselves, right? But we become people that want to be self proving. I can do it on my own. What's the big TV shows that people like to watch now these days? HGTV, right? A lot of people like to watch that or different self-help stuff. Or we follow Rachel Ray, which I'm sorry, I don't, how good can Rachel Ray's cooking really be if she's serving up dog food? She's selling Rachel Ray dog food. I mean, is she really that good of a cook if she's selling dog food? Okay, but anyways, I'm sorry, but I just was thinking about that but we watch cooking shows and we're into DIY, right? Home Depot is a big deal. And we got Lowe's and Menards and Sutherland's and all these different DIY things. And uh, you know, I'm one of those people, I don't like to take my car to the shop because I take care of it myself. You know what I mean? I'm just one of those people, we're self proving right? And sometimes when people cross us, when people do something against us or our family or those that we care about, we get vengeful, right? Benchful. last night I, I was watching a classic movie Red Dawn. You remember Red Dawn Wolverines right? I was watching that. And if you guys don't know how that movie goes it's it's very fictional like it's super fictional but the Soviet Union and Cuba invade middle United States, right And they land in the Great Plains all the way to the Rockies. so Denver, Cheyenne. All that stuff is Soviet occupied territory. And there's this group of teenagers in this little itty bitty town that go up into the mountains and they fight the communists and they their their school mascots, the Wolverines, so they're the Wolverines and they're blowing up tanks with rocket propelled grenades and all this other stuff. And it's it's a patriotic Cold War movie out of the eighties, but it's fun, right? All right. But in one of those scenes, the the lead boy who's played by Patrick Swayze and his brother, who's Charlie Sheen. They go into town to see what the situation, like what the scene is like. And they get sent to the uh, they're looking for their dad and somebody directs them to go to the drive in movie theater because they set up basically a re education camp there. And you go and they're playing communist propaganda on the screen and these people are just like living in destitute out there in this parking lot and they're like they got like the barrels with fire and stuff and they meet their dad. And the dad's like, you know, we ain't got time for tears and stuff. It's you know, I was hard on you. I was hard on you, son. Do you understand why I was hard on you now? You know, and stuff like that. It's, you know, one of those like dad mm. things. But then they're walking away and they said goodbye to the dad because they're probably never going to see their dad again. And he says, boys, avenge my death. Avenge my death. Right? Like can become vengeful like that, right? We take matters into our own hands. Right? It's not our purpose to be run over and taken advantage of. Really, it's not. You know. Sometimes people take the old term, turn the other cheek. Very wrong. We're not supposed to be just walked over in steamrolled just because we're believers. But we should honor God first in our positions. By trusting Him, by following His lead, and knowing that God is the final rule of law. The Bible states. The fact that He alone is in charge, and He is in charge of vindication. Right? There is a law. Someone who there is always someone who wants to destroy and discredit who we are. I'm dealing with it all the time anymore. They will twist our words. They'll deface our name. These people will always be around, and it's easy for us as humans to want to defend ourselves. Often, our defense only serves to cause further destruction to ourselves or to others. God wants us as his children to take the high road and he will help vindicate us. He will give us the lead. He will tell us when to act. He will tell us when not to act. He will guide us. He will vindicate and he will be the Avenger. Right? We watch the movie The Avengers, right? Everybody, we got like Elastigirl and all that, I don't know means, right? But who we got? Kim Rocketman and, <laughs> oh, we got the Hulk. I had to remember that one in Iron Man. Right? Yeah. Right? Is that right? right? I wouldn't watch it too closely. But, anyways, we got the Avengers. I'm not super into superheroes, but everybody, like, that was a big thing, right? The Avengers last year like made $2 trillion or something like that. Something. But, anyways, where was I at? Like, uh, the Avengers. We think they're all awesome. Kids love the Avengers show. People talk about the Avengers shows. He is a great Avenger, he's great. There's a meme out years ago and it had Jesus and he's like sitting in a chair. And there's all kinds of different superheroes around. There's like Spider-Man, there's Batman, Superwoman, and all this is a cartoon and Jesus sitting there. And they're all looking at Jesus intently and he says, and that's how I saved the world. And they're all like watching, like, listening to this story, you know what I mean? He's the great superhero. He will avenge. Proverbs twenty twenty two tells us, do not say, I will repay evil for evil. Wait for the Lord, and He will deliver you. God is the Punisher of all the wrong that we have ever done in this world, including what is done wrong to us personally. God will judge and punish. It will. It may not happen in this life on earth, but it will happen. He will make right what is done wrong. He will. Right? That love letter today we had said, "I will. I am going to wipe away." Right. He's going to avenge. He's going to vindicate. He's going to right what's wrong. He's already started. He's going to complete it. Right? So we've got to follow his lead. Two wrongs don't make a right. And actions have consequences, just like I was talking about with prices right and let's make a deal, right? Joab's actions. What he did to Abner. Tricking Abner into coming back to Hebron. I almost said Hezbollah. Coming back to Hebron and murdering him. Had came with a cost. Joab's family was cursed from that day forward. It says in here that Joab, if you read at 28, later David heard about Abner being killed, and he said, I am my kingdom and forever innocent before the Lord concerning the blood of Abner son of Ner. May his, Joab, or may Abner's blood fall upon the head of Joab and upon all his father's house. May Joab's house never be without someone who is running a sore or has leprosy or who leans on a crutch or who falls by the sword or who lacks food. Now, he got cursed by the anointed king of Israel for doing what he thought was right. His action had that consequence. Joab said, man, I hope there's never prosperity in your household from here on forward because of what you've done. That's serious consequences, right? And David later on, when you read in 1st Kings, David on his deathbed, he instructs Solomon to execute that corrupt bugger Joab. Because he doesn't stop there. He, he's a corrupt bugger. Alright, for all his past wrongdoings. So his actions had consequences. And what a person does today can have impact down the road and even impact into eternity and into, into the kingdom. Do our actions reflect the heart of Christ in us? Right? Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, right? They should always. Fortunately, He's faithful to forgive us when we do wrong, right? But well, we should look at it. Is this action that I'm going to do reflect Christ's heart? Right? Do we show that He is merciful, a merciful God by being merciful to others? Do we do that? Do we demonstrate His love by loving others? Do we share His compassion for people? Right? I mean, Do we do those things for Him? Because I look at some of those things and I go, man, I, I need you know, some improvement myself. I'm not doing this good. But some of them are like, yeah, I do. Right? But when we go and do things, when we look at our actions, when we look at our choices, we got to go, man, what kind of a heart does it reflect? Does it reflect my heart? And my heart has Christ in it? Or does it reflect my selfish heart? Or does it reflect Christ? We have to have it, right? We have to look at that. And fortunately, when we make poor choices, right, God can bring good out of bad, right? David's upset about Abner being killed and his participation in the mourning and the funeral of Abner, of Abner assisted in mending a division between the tribes of Judah and Israel. And if you read further, if you read 2nd Chapter 2nd Samuel chapter 2 through 2nd Samuel chapter 5 this week. You'll understand what I'm saying here, okay? David was upset. He expressed his upset to the to the whole country that he was upset that Abner was killed, that it wasn't right. He mourned him. He followed the funeral procession. He assi- he, ass- he was there at the funeral. He he show- told everybody, "We need to mourn him." He was a great commander, you know. We need to mourn his death. It made strides in bringing the, the whole the whole country together. Bringing it together. It delayed him being king, but it brought the whole country together. Ishbosheth, later, he was basically found out for being the wrong king and he was destroyed by his commanders. He was removed. He was killed. David was left to be the only remaining leader to lead Israel at that point. And he became king over all of Israel. So even though Joab went to serve his own purposes and vindicate his brother and make that right, all for the sake of not caring about what King David had to say, who's the anointed king of Israel, who's been promised by God that he'll be king of Israel. it still got to happen because David followed God's heart. He bore fruit in what he did. He became king over all Israel. And when things go wrong, the wrong choices are made in our lives. Choices that the devil has, the purpose in them to destroy us or destroy kingdom works. God can and God does fix those situations and brings good out of them. Genesis 50-20 says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about the present results to preserve my people alive. That was Joseph talking to his brothers. You guys did a wicked thing. You guys sent me to Egypt. You guys sent me to be a slave. You sold me because you guys didn't like that I was having dreams about you that didn't make you guys the center of attention that dad favored me. You made it bad. But God turned around and made it really good. He can do great things even when things go wrong. It's never too late. It's never too late to turn to God and ask Him for forgiveness. Ask for His guidance. Ask Him to make take the the mess that we've made in our lives and and turn something good out of it, right? I mean, how many times do we see people that go and they live a life that's just sinful and maybe they're addicted to drugs or they're assisting in the selling of women into slavery or whatever they're doing, and they have a change of heart and they meet their God face to face and they turn from their ways and the past and the terrible things that they've done in their past serve as an instrument for them to relate to the people that need to hear that message that are in similar situations. God can take bad and turn it for good. He can. In the error of our ways, He's faithful to forgive us our trespasses for our wrongdoings. It's never too, too late to turn to God and ask Him to take control of our situations and intervene and make good out of the bad in our lives. It's never too late. He's asked us, listen to the Holy Spirit who's been given to you as a free gift. He said that, right? He's also said, two wrongs don't make it right, son. We taught our kids that. He taught your daughters that, right? Two wrongs don't make it right, right? Might feel good for a little while, but it don't make it right, right? I mean, I'm just being honest, i being human, right? All right? Two wrongs don't make it right. And then he goes on and he says, what seems right is not always the best. But if you forget all those things, I will forgive you. But let's get back on the track, on the road, right? So he offers us direction. He gives us instruction on what not to do, and then he encourages us that there's hope, even though sometimes we make the wrong choice. So we have a good God, Don't so we have a great God because of that. I love him. Let's pray.